The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences. Financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, welcome to a new edition of Fraud Talk. Uh, welcome, fraud talkers, fraud stalkers, and even you fraudsters or would-be fraudsters who happen to be listening. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Network platform. Proud to be on it. Part, proud to be part of the business network. We are every week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can listen live uh, or uh, at your leisure uh, uh, to the audio file. This week, uh, we have a terrific show with a highly knowledgeable guest on the topic of fraud affecting the insurance industry. His name is Joe Bonk. He's a vice president with Allstate Insurance, and he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, for those of you who don't, don't know me, uh, I have an international uh, uh, investigative background background, which goes back to 1983, and have investigated numerous ca- cases of, uh, that involve fraud, where fraud was an element of one sort or another. Um, and in, indeed, uh, when we talk about insurance fraud today, uh, insurance carriers uh, are, are all over this uh, issue, because if they're not dealing with fraud directly, they're dealing with within or without with fraudulent uh, insurance claims. And, of course, uh, there are certain types of coverages that to pay for legal fees and uh, accounting fees and investigator fees. And so I get paid in some cases by insurance carriers uh, in certain cases uh, in any event. Uh, so the insurance industry really has a very, very um, uh, keen eye on the whole area of fraud and and, and, of course, like me, they want to tamp it down. They want to stamp it down. And uh, in every way, we want to try to minimize it. Uh, so we'll get into that whole area. So in any event, uh, for the past eight and a half years, I've been running my own firm, Marquet International, uh, which is basically a litigation support investigation, security consulting for clients around the globe. And I've had... Uh, and uh, an interest in the area of fraud, you know, going back to the time I started working there and more recently uh, began publishing the Marquet Report on Embezzlement and other white papers that uh, relate to fraud, investigation, and, and risk mitigation generically. 
So I started blogging about fraud. Uh, you can find my uh, Fraud Talk blog on Blogger, and you can find me on Twitter at Fraud Talk and hashtag Fraud Talk, as well as LinkedIn and Facebook. It's not hard to find me. So in any event, we know my mantra is that at any time in any organization, there's always somebody up to no good. I'm going to keep hammering away at that because it's true. Fraud is everywhere, and it continues to claim victims as we speak, and this is especially true in the insurance industry, which for whatever reason, uh, and there have been studies about this and studies about uh, you know, generic population of people, what their attitude is toward you know, defrauding insurance industries, and I think I read somewhere that one in four people out there think it's perfectly okay to defraud their insurance industries, and I think that's, that's kind of a sad commentary, but it's uh, unfortunately true. So the fraud, the insurance industry has to be particularly vigilant about you know preventing fraud, trying to protect themselves, protect consumers, because it really affects all aspects uh, uh, of 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 coverage. It includes um, the insurance premiums that everybody pays; those are higher because of fraud. And the only thing, the only entity out there in which people feel freer to abuse and screw over uh, is the government itself. <laughs> so, uh, so the insurance industry is kind of in a tough spot. Um, we love them and um, we, want, we want them to succeed because they provide a vital service to, uh, to consumers. So, this week, you know, just to go back to my pet area, which is embezzlement, we catalog, I think it's 17 major embezzlement cases in the United States with over, well, nearly $7.4 million in losses to the, to the various victim organizations. And that is, uh, these are just cases, again, $100,000 in losses and more. Uh, and the, you know, again, tip of the iceberg. There are many, many more cases where it's you know below the threshold, or that never even see the light of day. So what we're just what we're talking about here, in just this past week, where you know two cases a day or more are popping up, uh, and this is a furious pace, is just part of the whole issue, and it's devastating to businesses, particularly small businesses and nonprofits and other organizations that are don't quite don't necessarily have the financial wherewithal to really combat fraud the way uh, one would like. Uh, fraud, you know, luckily, you know, the insurance carriers. This is such a highly uh, focused area that, and they spend a great deal of time, money, and effort uh, trying to combat this. That uh, that, and they have the means to do so. So uh, that's a good thing. Now, I just want to remind people that uh, the fraud talk call in line is eight six six. Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. If you would like to join the discussion, please call in, and uh, you can talk to us. You can you can ask a question. You can make a comment, uh, and of course, we're also looking for uh, suggestions uh, f- for the fraud of the week. So you can email me with those, and that's Chris at International dot com. All one word: M A R Q U E T International dot and I'm happy to take any comments, uh, criticism, and, and suggestions for the fraud of the week uh, by email. So thank you. Uh, and 
Speaking of which, the, this of the week is uh, in honor of our guest, Joe Bonk, who actually brought this case to my attention, I, I think, some time ago, but it recently popped back up in the, in the press. Uh, and it involves a massive $28 million health care insurance premium fraud case that, that um, partly uh, originated down in South Carolina. And the case, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to uh, quote from uh, the, uh, the South Carolina Sun News, uh, which, uh, which wrote an article this past week, which talked about a suspended Blythewood attorney that's been linked to this case. And uh, it's a Richland County attorney in South Carolina, near, that's near Columbia, uh, where uh, a woman by the name of Kathleen Devereaux Cowthen, I think that's, uh, I think it's pronounced Cowthen, C-A-U-T-H-E-N, and she uh, is... Uh, been charged on a number of federal felony counts, uh, basically setting up shell corporations to uh, allegedly launder money in a number of different states, including South Carolina, but also outside uh, outside the country in the Bahamas and possibly even Pakistan, uh, but is also in Tennessee, where some of her uh, co-conspirators were based. Um, but in any event, she has been suspended from her practice of law in the South Carolina. In other words, she's been disbarred, and the charges carry a weight of up to eight years in prison if she is convicted. Now, uh, again, I think these sentences these days, the, those kinds of magnitude cases are really pretty much slaps on the wrist. And the, the reality is that eight years uh, for a case like that, the, the reality is, her actual prison sentence will be probably less than half of that, and what she actually spends in prisons will be even less than that. So, I think it's somewhat, you know, somewhat weak uh, the enforcement slash uh, sentencing side. But uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, in any event, the uh, she in this particular case, uh, Cowthen, uh she set up some of these companies that uh, offered, you know, allegedly offered legitimate health care coverage to some 17,000 people and employer groups. And they collected uh, more than $28 million in insurance premium payments that were paid uh, in Arkansas, Indiana, Tennessee, other jurisdictions, according to the to the complaint, uh, but then when people had started having claims, they were quote unquote unjustly denied or turned down, and ultimately what was happening was that a lot of these premiums basically went into the pockets of the co-conspirators. One of which is a fellow named William Worthy II, W O R T H Y, uh, that uh, was affiliated. Uh, with First Citizens Bank and Trust in Blythewood, uh, South Carolina, as well. So instead of paying for the insurance coverage, the money was sent to, you know, uh, and, and converted for the personal use of Cowthen and Worthy. And this uh, amounted to, I think, almost uh, $2 million over a 13-month period. So uh, it's quite quite a bit of money, at least for their in their part, uh, their piece of this, their involvement in this. And uh, it uh, again, when you talk about that kind that kind of magnitude of theft, in in this case, we're talking about a, usually a large number of of consumers, where the individual hits may not be law, a lot, but they add up quickly to huge numbers. 
and you have a lot of people affected and, and sadly some some people hurt uh, irrevocably uh, which is which is quite sad uh, so she uh, you know she was uh, essentially indicted there's an in, what's called an information uh, that was filed, which is essentially an indictment without an indictment, uh, tr- making the charge uh, against Cowthen and um, Worthy, who's already been uh, convicted and she and he's already serving a federal uh, prison sentence, just a federal cor- correctional institution in Georgia for his white collar crimes as well as other um, allegations. So she's uh, she's she's in trouble now and uh, uh, I'm guessing that she'll end up um, copying a plea and, and cooperating to extent uh, and uh, will end up spending uh, spending some time in in jail. Um, so that is uh, that is the case of uh, of uh, Ms. Cowthen, and again, we're talking about you know, why is it that these lawyers? I mean, you see, I see lawyers uh, all the time coming. I mean, most I, I work with lawyers every day, and they're my best clients, and uh, I love them. Uh, and, and the vast majority, and everybody I know, are are very very reputable and, and honorable folks. Uh, but you have these folks out there that are just you know, low-life individuals who are willing to, you know, lie, cheat, and steal. They're giving lawyers bad name. That's, uh, (laughs) I know that's uh, not a good thing, but... um, but uh, I just I just don't quite get it. I mean, lawyers are you know they go through the bar and you're you're, you're supposed to be you know the most honorable uh, citizens among us. Uh, but you know, like any other population and any other individual, I think you know what happens is that people you know people step over the line, people uh, get into positions where they can they can take advantage, and frankly, they do. Uh, it's just one of those situations. It's sort of human nature. Going back, right back to my uh, original point, which is that uh, at any time in any organization or in any population, frankly, there are people who are up to no good, and that includes our uh, lawyer community, unfortunately. Uh, so we are going to stop for now, and uh, we'll be back with our guest Joe Bonk, and look forward to chatting with you all. Thank you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting when circumstances require sensitive and 
and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Today we have a special guest, Joe Bonk, and uh, he is a director at Allstate Insurance and an expert at fraud that's uh, afflicting the insurance industry and financial institutions generically. This, uh, just a little bit about uh, Joe's background. He's a CPA by training, uh, and he's been working in the property and casualty insurance industry since 1987. So that's going back, what, 27 years, Joe? That's right. Uh, that's quite, quite a career in insurance. Uh, and Joe's held a variety of leadership positions at Allstate, currently Director of Quality Control Systems, which are used at Allstate. And that's sort of a nice, I think it's a nice way of saying uh, how uh, how the company you know focuses on fraud prevention, fraud reduction, fraud monitoring, et cetera. Is that, is that right, Joe? Yeah, Chris, it's uh, number one. Thanks. It's great to be with you. And yeah, so uh, working across our organization, which is uh, the second largest insurance company in the U.S. And, uh, you know, one of the observations from a insurance industry perspective is insurance fraud is big business. Um, the FBI, as you, you mentioned, uh, uh, they estimate that the, uh, the size of the insurance fraud problem is, is about $40 billion a year. And, you know, that's a huge number. It's hard for a lot of people to get their heads around that. But what it means uh, for all consumers is that consumers pay between $407 a year extra in insurance premiums to cover the cost of fraud. Um, that includes things that when most people think about insurance fraud, they think of things such as staged accidents or inflated uh, medical treatments which is certainly a, a big part of, of the concern. Um, at Allstate, we've been monitoring cases of insurance fraud, uh, you know, actively monitoring those to identify if those were to happen here, how would we 
how would we identify those and what steps could we take to prevent that and, and to weed it out and to refer it to the appropriate authorities. So I've been uh, actively monitoring those cases since uh, about 2009. We've got about 3,000 cases in our database of insurance fraud and things that could occur to, uh, to the insurance industry. Yeah, and so you said, you know, you said what the FBI estimates was is like forty billion dollars, uh, which I believe excludes um, uh, the area of the whole area of healthcare fraud, really. Which I read another st- statistic that that was estimated to be about sixty-eight billion dollars a year. And there's an organization out there called the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, uh, CAIF, uh, which has got all kinds of statistics, uh, interesting facts uh, on its website. They're one of these uh, watchdog type groups. Uh, they talk about, you know, $80 billion a year in insurance fraud uh, losses. And so what we're talking, you know, you know, $80 billion, $40 billion, 60 whatever, you know, a billion here, a billion there, pretty much we're talking about real money, aren't we? That's right. It really adds up quickly. And, uh, yeah, the, the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, uh, they include some of the health care fraud, which is uh, that includes Medicare fraud. And as you mentioned in the intro, that uh, the government is often a target and as well as the private insurance industry for uh, fraudsters and people uh, scheming to separate money from, from companies as well as the government. So uh, insurance fraud really runs, I mean, it runs the gamut, and you've got all kinds of different types of insurance fraud. I mean, Allstate primarily deals with auto insurance, and I know you're, you're particularly expert at that, um, well, and I'll, I'm going to let you talk a bit about that. But, you know, insurance fraud, auto insurance, which can be anything from, you know, a fraudulent accident claim to bottle or injury crimes to stage accidents to underwriting schemes, etc. And I'm going to want you to get into that. But you also have, you know, these the whole other areas of, you know, workers' comp fraud, which, you know, people are out there, you know, banging nails in their roof, uh, you know, allegedly on workers' compensation. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Then you've got the whole area of insurance fraud, which Medicare fraud, Medicaid fraud, and now Obamacare, which is going to be rife with fraud. My goodness. We could talk about that subject all day long. And then you've got the area of property insurance fraud, such as, you know, contractor frauds or fraudulent surety bond bond claims and arson cases, those sort of frauds. And then you've got relief fraud, I call it, you know, natural and man-made disasters where the the moment, you, you know, an airplane goes down or there's a hurricane blows up, uh, you've got uh, you've got somebody setting up some website or whatever, you know, making robocalls to try to collect money for quote-unquote relief and it's going into people's back pockets pocket. Of course, then you've got, you know, identity theft, which then affects the insurance industry. You've got slip and fall cases, again, sort of a crossover between healthcare and insurance and the legal realm. Uh, You've got um, employee theft cases, which which ties into the whole area of fidelity uh, coverage. And anyway, all of these things, it's just, it's just massive and, and, and all over the block. T- tell, us, tell us a bit about you know, your particular areas of expertise, if you will. Yeah, Chris. So uh, some of the background is and some of the things that you hit on there, in particular where I first got involved in this was um, it was really primarily after Hurricane Andrew, which is going back to 1992, and what occurred in the area uh, shortly after that where you had contractors descending on the area and, and um, you know, signing up people for work that they never performed. And so that was 
uh, you know, scams that were designed to separate uh, money from, from individuals. Really, anytime there's a, any type of weather events, uh, hailstorms will often bring out uh, storm chasers, uh, as they're affectionately called. And uh, some of the things that we've seen is that they'll, um, they'll go up on a roof, offer free inspection. They'll uh, perhaps, if there is no damage, they'll create the damage in order to uh, be able to present an insurance claim. So things like that are going on. And, and so we've been monitoring that very closely because of the impact it has on customers um, you know, within our industry. One of the areas that I've been focused on uh, in, in the last few years is really more on the, uh, the rating fraud. And, and there was a study done by a company called Quality Planning that estimates that um, rating fraud impacts... Well, explain, explain, explain that, Joe. What does that mean, rating, rating fraud? Rating fraud are, are, is scenarios such as um, customers who misrepresent where they live. Um, so, for example, if you live in uh, the city of Boston, Boston, uh, but you indicate that your vehicle is garaged out in one of the far-out suburbs where rates are going to be lower, uh, less dense in terms of population, uh, less chances for for accidents. Your car is in a garage as opposed to sitting on the street. And so what we're seeing are, are is an industry scenarios where people are misrepresenting um, where their vehicle is garaged, um, which results in a lower rate or uh, not disclosing all drivers, as anybody with uh, teenagers knows, when you add a younger driver to a policy, your rates tend to go up. Um, as a collective industry, our, our experience is that younger drivers have uh, higher, uh, heck, higher accident rates, and so misrepresenting their uh, their involvement in driving a car is can have a significant impact on insurance rates. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I've got a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, and now a 17-year-old who's about to get his license. So, <laughs> the uh, uh, the those types of frauds uh, again kind of bring back to that point I think I made earlier, which is you know people don't even think twice about defrauding. The insurance carrier on that on those types of I mean it's just as simple as oh well yeah my car is, is is garaged out on the Beltway you know out in the western suburbs of Boston it's not you know it's not in Boston we're in the condo where I live you know, it's out there you know and and everybody for everybody who does that that automatically adds cost because again there's a higher likelihood the reason the rates are different is because of the likelihoods and the underwriting likelihoods of damages caused and when you're in closer proximity in the cities. There's more accidents, more damage, etc. Correct? Exactly right, Chris. And and that's one of the interesting things. It's really a, a cost shift, right? It's from the people who should be paying more because they're they're at a higher risk for accidents, and they're shifting those costs to individuals who who are being honest and who are fairly representing how they drive their vehicle, where they drive their vehicle. Uh, so that's that's a, a significant challenge for the industry as we begin to understand and, and uh, how to harness the data that we have available to identify those scenarios so that people pay what, they're, what they should be paying and, and we're not other people, good drivers who are being honest, are not subsidizing those who choose to misrepresent um, material facts for their insurance coverage. I think, so, I mean, in, in those cases, and I think in some of the, the, the more, the other types of cases uh, in the auto arena where you have a lot of collusion, actually, between uh, brokers, you know, you know, uh, or other parties or appraisers, other parties that are willing to, you know, be, you know, 
basically, you know, commit fraud to help, you know, quote unquote, help, help the insured uh, or, you know, reduce the cost to the insured. Ultimately, again, the cost gets shifted back to the carrier, which then shifts the cost back over into the premiums. Uh, is that, that's, that's, that's what we see. Now, you, you see sort of a higher propensity to have collusion uh, going on in, in, in your area. Is that true? Correct. You know, one of the things that we see is is uh, there's a, a concept called the fraud triangle, right? It's a meaning that there's three elements that need to be present. There's there's pressure, opportunity, and rationalization. And if those three elements are present, the potential for insurance fraud, in, in our case, increases. And so if you have pressure to make sales goals or pressure to uh, buy a bigger house or things of that nature and, and somebody who understands the importance of certain factors when we're rating an insurance policy and then rationalizes it by saying, well, you know, it's only one customer and it's a big industry. Uh, they won't, they won't feel it. Those types of things are present and that creates a, a the potential for um, behavior, which is not in, in everyone's best interest, um, you know, for individual gain at the, at the expense of the larger population. Right. Good. Okay. Well, we're going to have to take a break now, and we'll come back, and we'll continue talking about this. And the the the, the concept of the fraud triangle is is an interesting one. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. So, thank you, everybody. We'll be back shortly. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. My guest today is Joe Bonk, uh, who is a director at uh, Allstate Insurance in Illinois. And he's a certified uh, public accountant, an expert in the area of fraud and fraud analysis, uh, particularly as it pertains to the insurance industry. Uh, uh, Joe has uh, led a team that designed and implemented an analytical tool which uh, evaluates millions of claim payments uh, and identifying unusual patterns that might uh, require further investigation within the organization. Uh, he also regularly works with the uh, with Allstate's SIU, that's Special Investigation Unit in the company, inve- investigating various potential insurance fraud claims. He's uh, contributed to the insurance fraud casebook at the ACFE, um, which we talked about last week. And uh, welcome back, Joe. Thanks, Chris. So we were talking at the end of the last segment about the fraud triangle. You got pressure, uh, you've got the opportunity, and uh, what was the third factor? Rationalization. Rationalization. Yeah, the rationalization to me is like the most interesting thing. Was this is where people basically, you know, a lot of people have the opportunity to steal or cause fraud of one form or another, but unless they come to re- rationalize the meaning in their own mind uh, make it right that they can do such a thing that the, that it won't happen so uh, they need that ration- rationalization factor the third leg of the stool uh, if so to speak in order to go ahead with whatever scheme they're they're going to do and what happens I think in a lot of cases people reach a point in their lives or circumstances uh, uh, occur that uh, put people over the edge and, and all three elements are are lined up and therefore the fraud uh, the fraud occurs so in any event Joe you're um, we're talking about uh, fraud in the insurance area and we mentioned uh, brokers and how and th- other third parties that insurance carriers often deal with uh, who in many in many cases of, of ma- major insurance fraud schemes are involved in conspiracies to to commit fraud tell us a bit you know tell us a bit about that yeah one of the uh, interesting things that we've noticed as we've been monitoring is is looking at something called ghost brokering and and what that is um, is scenarios where a individual or a group of individuals uh, portrays that they're a representative of an insurance company 
and they go through great lengths to uh, either set up a website, uh, advertise uh, that they can be to the big company's uh, insurance rates. And uh, what they'll do is set up their, their website. They will uh, offer a, a more competitive price. They'll collect the money. And what consumers may find out in, in, at some point when they need the insurance coverage is that there is no coverage, that uh, they've been duped by the people behind the, the case. Um, we've seen a, a rise in these cases, in particular in, particular in the United Kingdom, where um, there was a arrest uh, late last year from, from a group that had been setting up their their fake websites, they had gone so far as to include, uh, they played on their iPod, they had a um, a, a part that was called office noise, and so they would play that in the background to give callers the feeling that they were calling a busy uh, office center when in fact it was an apartment building and and it was an individual who was, had created a virtual insurance company. So it's um, it's something that... So so essentially what's happening in cases like this and similar types of scams is where you have people who are either purporting to be legitimate brokers, in this case, collecting premiums and basically pocketing the money. But you also have cases where there are, you know, would be other, otherwise would be legitimate brokers who have decided that they're going to, for whatever reason, they're going to pocket premiums and not, you know, not pay the claims out. Correct. 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 Yep, that's exactly right. And and so what happens is then when someone is involved in an accident where there's a need for um, to have claim coverage, uh, they, they discover that that it's not available. That there is no coverage. There is no policy. And so it's important for consumers and and for for people who take out policies to do their due diligence. Um, uh, most states have a uh, department, all states have a department of insurance, and you can check the status of a of a insurance agent or insurance broker. They're licensed to ensure that they're actually licensed. Uh, there's a number of, of, of searches that people could do to, to make sure that this is a legitimate company. Uh, is something as simple as a Google search to make sure that uh, you're dealing with a reputable company, all important things that uh, could be done. And, and in fact, what we're talking about is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is uh, is a fraud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, in almost every case, we're talking, you know, people, you know, Ponzi schemes, for example, you know, is a is a totally separate and uh, analogous situation uh, where uh, people represent things, and you know, the rate if the rate is just way too good, you need you better look you better look hard at it. Correct. Exactly right. Um, you really need to do your due diligence in terms of uh, before you're uh, paying and, and understand uh, exactly wh- who you're insured with and, and make sure that it's a legitimate company. It's really important. Tell, tell us a bit more about some of the cases, uh, the types of cases where you've got collusion going on. You've got basically conspiracy where you know third parties, whether they be appraisers or um, brokers who are uh, colluding with customers uh, or you know would be customers that uh, essentially are fleecing insurance companies. Yeah, so you know some of the things that that we've been as we've been monitoring the um, the news have, have been identifying are, are scenarios where um, uh, uh, insurance uh, brokers, insurance agents are uh, representing that customers. Uh, there was a major case out of Pennsylvania uh, where uh, custody, custody individuals were being placed in rural Pennsylvania when, in fact, they were in uh, the Bronx in, in New York City. Uh, the Pennsylvania Attorney General had indicted. 
had about 25 people involved in, in that scheme. Uh, they indicated that uh, the consumers were saving between one and four thousand um, dollars every every year on a yearly yearly basis by misrepresenting uh, where, where they were located uh, another case of interest was uh, a scenario where an individual had insured four vans and it indicated they were for personal use it turned out that they were being used for medical transportation purposes so misrepresenting how a vehicle is used as opposed in addition to where it's located. Those are the types of things that could occur um, and that insurance companies need to be vigilant for and monitoring to make sure that uh, that's not occurring. And if it is, that we have a way of identifying that and taking appropriate steps to uh, remediate that. So, Joe, when these cases arise and, and come to your attention and the company's attention, uh, and obviously go through uh, a fairly exhaustive investigative process and, and putting all the facts together and putting the case together, uh, and you know, in, in some cases you're denying the claims or whatever, uh, but also when it's affecting the company directly, whether it's one of your agents or brokers or it's an employee or former employee or other, you know, third party. How do you, do you, do you, go, you work with, I assume that these cases ultimately get referred over to law enforcement for prosecution. Is that, how does that happen with, with you? Yeah, absolutely. Your- uh, that is something that, that we, we pursue with uh, local law enforcement um, in, in all cases. Uh, the postal authorities are sometimes involved, especially if there's any type of mailing that's involved. They've been uh, great partners uh, with us to to help us uh, weed out the, the behavior, so we're, we're monitoring that. Uh, with electronic transmissions, uh, there's interstate uh, jurisdiction, uh, so so in some cases we're able to, um, to, to pursue those types of charges. Uh, so it is so those those kinds of cases, I'm sorry, Joe. Those kind of cases uh, would go be prosecuted on a federal level rather than on a state level. And I, I assume that many of the cases where you're looking at wire frauds and mail frauds and uh, money laundering, uh, interstate, etc., those would go to the feds. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. And and one of the interesting things is just you know seeing the reaction from uh, the authorities in terms of. Uh, prosecuting and it, it varies and, and in some cases uh, in a number of cases the authorities are very good uh, about prosecuting and pursuing cases in other cases I think it's uh, somewhat of a workload issue they've got other uh, high profile cases that they're pursuing and uh, perhaps some of the white collar crime is, is viewed differently from from some of the other types of crimes so it's really it's in everyone's best interest to prevent it as opposed to allowing it to occur and then prosecuting it because it's really out of our hands at that point uh, we pursue criminal charges and depending on the, the jurisdiction uh, the the degree and the speed at which they um, are able to, to prosecute varies um, w- you know when cases where we are or orders of restitution are made, the, you know, the, there's a challenge in terms of uh, how do you collect that. And, and so that's why we've really spent more of our time focusing on the preventative piece uh, as opposed to trying to pursue the, um, uh, the collection piece. Yeah, and I want to talk some more about the preventive measures that, uh, in the next segment. But just a, a point on, on this, you know, again, we have, I think, in a lot of these cases, 
where you've got lots and lots of small consumers who are being defrauded, you know, for small, relatively, we're talking about relatively in the scheme of things, small dollar amounts, but then add up to huge numbers. And it comes to your, uh, your attention because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, they're all flowing up through the insurance carrier. Uh, and then you, you know, you've got to, you've got to get the law enforcement people to, um, essentially respond Correct. even though we have to have lots of you know $100 here $500 there boom 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 you know thousands of folks ultimately being defrauded uh, and costing the insurance carrier and then ultimately uh, having to pull that all together uh, that's got to be sometimes a challenge I imagine yeah exactly right and that's where we're looking for patterns of, of behavior that uh, that indicate a potential concern and so that's that's been our focus area is is looking at that and and it is a challenge from the standpoint of any individual case is not huge but as as you indicated when you string a number of these together it it does present a different exposure to the entire industry in terms of uh, how much uh, of the types of those types of rate evasion types of things are occurring Okay, great. We're going to have to take a break here and come back for a short last segment. If you've got calls, uh, please call in. The, uh, the, uh, the telephone number is 866-472-5790. We'll come back in a minute. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. 
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, and with me today is uh, my guest, special guest, uh, um, Joe Bonk, who is a, an expert in the insurance fraud area and indeed in fraud in general, uh, because what Joe does is he tracks all kinds of different frauds. He, he runs all kinds of statistics. He has a, a massive database of cases that he analyzes for the company. And when we talk about insurance fraud, I mean, there's, insurance carriers can be victims of fraud, you know, of all manner of types of claims, depending on the types of insurance that they issue. Uh, but also, of course, uh, they're large organizations just like any other organization, and there's always people who are up to no good, and they face a risk of fraud internally. So, you know, uh, employees uh, embezzling, employees colluding with outsiders, employees, you know, stealing, lying, cheating, or what have you. This is, uh, this is common in every major organization. And, uh, Joe, tell us... Uh, Tell us about a bit about the industry, and uh, I mean, insurance carriers are essentially they're financial institutions, um, um, br- you know, broadly speaking, and that is where the money is. Like as somebody once said, that's what you know. Why did you rob the bank? That's where the money is. So uh, I imagine that you know be, the amount of money that flows through insurance carriers, uh, which is huge, uh, makes it the temptation. We we're talking about the fraud triangle. The temptation to steal in one manner or another is large. Uh, am I correct about that? Yeah, Chris, that's exactly right. It's a um, it's an interesting industry in that. We're, we're, we're evaluated by customers based on our customer service, our ability to quickly settle their claim and get their life back to uh, the way it was before the loss. And so in order to do that, we have to we have um, thousands of employees who have check writing authority uh, for for us and, and have the ability to issue checks. And, and there was a uh, interesting case, um, uh, not impacting Allstate, but a couple of the other carriers um, uh, from New, the New York area where a um, individual had been a claim representative for an insurance company. She uh, developed a scheme where she would add uh, a couple of her friends to various claims she was handling. So she would handle the claim, uh, make a settlement with the actual people who were involved in the claim, and then she would add one of her friends uh, to the claim and issue a payment to them. Um, Did that over a period of years and was able to... uh, steal about $125,000 from one carrier. She then left uh, the first company, took a job, similar job with another carrier, and continued the scheme, did the same types of things, which was adding her friends to the uh, to a legitimate claim. They would then split the proceeds. In total, she, she was able to uh, 
steal about $500,000 from, from the two companies over a period of years before the scheme was detected. And, and so those are the types of things that uh, we're exposed to, and we have to make sure as an industry that we've got our processes in place and, and, and our ability to identify those types of scenarios uh, before they get that large. Yeah, so in those in that particular case, and we're talking about, again, collusion that's involved, you've got friends who've got to be in on it, you know, it's, uh, and, and they're splitting the proceeds. So, and they're doing this over a period of years, I, I, I presume. And secondly, the second issue here is one of, you know, you know, just catching the, the thing. And we're going to talk about how, you know, your analytics help try to do that. Uh, but catching it, and I presume that the first carrier really didn't catch it uh, when we're talking, you know, 150 grand or whatever the number was. Frankly, it's not a huge number if it's done over a long period of time and small dollar amounts is not necessarily going to be felt particularly. And then she goes on to the next, uh, uh, the next company that uh, and does the same damn thing, and uh, ultimately she gets caught uh, so- some way or another. But uh, again, without you know, prosecuting the person and getting her, you know, putting the world on notice that this, this is not a person to be trusted with any kind of fiduciary role. Uh, that's critical. Uh, so tell us, you know, um, Am I right about that? Uh, yeah. Yep, that Chris, sense, exactly right. One of the interesting things and one of the challenges, I think, for all companies um, in the financial services area in particular is when you're doing background checks on employees and identifying uh, their, their prior employment, uh, any potential concerns that have been raised. And in some cases, it's difficult to uh, identify um, because oftentimes uh, companies are hesitant to uh, provide anything other than a confirmation of the dates of, of employment as opposed to describing the reasons why somebody left. In that particular case, we talked about uh, the first company was not aware that uh, anything had gone wrong until the second company had identified the scenario, and, and then uh, the state uh, uh, Department of Insurance got involved and asked the uh, the initial company to go back and take a look, closer look at their records, and that's when they found the additional $150,000. Yeah, when you talk about um, background checks, and you know, people are putting down references. All the references are going to be good. They're going to they're going to cover up uh, places where they got fired from, and they're not going to advertise that. So you're right. Uh, when you do background check, and I do these uh, sophisticated background checks on key executives around the world, you really have to end up talking. The references are all going to be good, so they're useless. But you need to talk to the what I call the non-references people who work with the person and somehow may be uh, in a position to tell you about their re- reputation and track record. Anyway, that's getting off track here. Let's talk uh, more about um, you know. Let's talk about the the prevent. I mean, your your analytics, which helps identify trends and then see, okay, oh, well, the same number, the same payments happening over and over again, maybe there's a problem here. And, and, and uh, t- tell us a bit about that and, and the preventive things that, uh, that you get involved in. Yeah, so some of the some of the work that we've done, and, and perhaps we both heard the term of big data and the analysis of uh, information that's readily available within a company to look for those types of uh, patterns. And so, what we've set up is a, a process to monitor 
looking for patterns that would be unusual from an insurance company standpoint. And in the case um, that we talked about from a claims perspective, looking for why does the same customer name keep showing up on our claims? You know, uh, there's a lot of different insurance companies. So the chances of the same person being involved in an accident that's handled by the same claim representative over a period of time is exceedingly unlikely. And so by setting up some type of analysis process, you're able to identify uh, scenarios that don't make sense in the in the sense of our business and, and why would that be occurring? And could it be that somebody is intentionally uh, of handling claims or, or assigning claims to the same representative who's then in a position to uh, to issue pay, payments to somebody where when it's not warranted. Um, similarly, on, on the sales side, looking for patterns or, or uh, scenarios that are illogical, whether why would a an agent in a certain area have so many customers with mailing addresses uh, in a distant area, in a larger city, for example. Those types of things is what we're, we're focused on looking for and keeping an eye on to identify, hopefully early on, very early on in the scenario, uh, so that it can be identified and rectified as appropriate. Well, for your sake and your insured sake, I, I, I certainly hope, Joe, that you guys are successful in clamping down and tamping down on these frauds. It's really endemic and it's a, a tough thing sometimes to spot and your analytics really go a long way to doing that. I want to thank you for all of your time and the enlightening uh, discussion. I appreciate your sharing your thoughts and experience with us. Uh, join us next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another Fraud Talk edition. Our guest next week will be Gary Zoon, who is a white-collar fraud expert, and he runs uh, something called the Pros and the Cons, which is the world's only speakers bureau for white-collar criminals who, uh, you know, who've purportedly turned to the good and help help uh, educate folks uh, about the issues of fraud. So thanks again for joining us. I am your host, Chris Marquet. We look forward again to having you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon. We'll be right back.